Hey everybody, what is going on there? I am Arm and Hammer. That is Justin LaFranco with the Morning Chalk Up as always. And this episode of On the Minute, we have finally entered the 2019 CrossFit Games Open. We're here, week one is over with, and with all the buildup leading up to this 2019 CrossFit Games Open, there was always a whole lot of discussion and maybe a couple of arguments over what the number of signups were going to actually end up at and what they're going to mean. And Justin actually has the best numbers up to date about what those numbers are and where they were in the previous years so we can compare. And well, Justin, what are you looking at? <laughs> yeah, um, so we saw a pretty big surge um, in the last several days. I think the highest single day number was roughly be 35 or 36,000 um, that were added. But um, the numbers of around 357,000, um, a little bit over. Um, and actually a discrepancy, most people didn't realize this, and I found this out yesterday when talking with HQ, is that um, the the... Uh, athletes can actually still register even after the close of 19.1 or the first workout of the of the open um, I didn't know that um, and and apparently it's been the case for a really long time but it's just that is that news to me news to you it was news to me last week uh, or, or yesterday when I found out but that's apparently the case so these numbers will probably change but not in drastic figures because obviously you can't log your score for 19.1 or 2 or 3 or 4 and if you if you haven't registered yet so once the registration is closed for that once for scores, then then you can't log it. But anyway, so 357,000 is uh, the the rounded number, which is about 14% lower than it was um, last year, which is 416,000 in 2018. You know, what was really interesting to me looking at the numbers that you published is not only have we seen a 14%-ish dip from where we were last year with the Open, we're now actually well below where we were in 2017. And uh, I think that is, that's a really interesting consequence. I mean, obviously coming into this, uh, this, this open, there's, there's been, like I said, a whole lot of discussion and curiosity about where these numbers are going to end up. There've been a lot of people, you know, projecting i i would say doom and gloom yeah there's a lot of people like like hyping it up saying it was going to be 50 percent or or maybe maybe you know even a little lower like 25 percent of what the previous numbers are um you know that's that's a bit hyperbole and and you know it's really hard to kind of guess as to where people are going to end up but this is a clear barometer of where people are voting um and voting in the sense of people often you know put their money in areas where they want to put their money and spend their money and so um, by less individuals choosing not to do that i think that's important one thing we will be looking at and that this this has it has to be understood that there are we have not yet looked at how many affiliates are competing in the Open this year in comparison to last year. And that's an important statistic to pay attention to as well. Now, it could just be that there's a lot of athletes out there that are like, you know, there's kind of these changes just kind of give me a bad taste in my mouth and I I just don't want to be a part of it right now or rubbed them the wrong way. And so they're opting, you know, to take this year off. Um, but an important second statistic that we will get to later on is how many affiliates are participating this year and how many affiliates is a percentage of whole affiliates because i think it's really important to pay attention to that and we will be getting into that number now speaking of 19.1 aside from the sort of meta look at this thing as a barometer of where the community is at in terms of you know their interest i'd say maybe in in supporting the open totally the 19.1 was a great barometer of our 
fitness and you know uh leg endurance and just how deep into the pain cave we as individuals and a collective were willing to go holy quad moly so how exactly did you feel during that 19.1 tell me tell me what was going on in your body i actually felt fine during the workout except for just being tired and wishing it was over but I think I had done one of those where you basically put on a mask and nobody can tell, but inside your body is screaming, but outside you look like you're calm and cool because I was sticking to the game plan. But man, as soon as that last wall ball dropped, I collapsed on the floor like a small child in a fetus, fetal position and I wailed for a good three minutes. And my my dog was concerned for my well-being and rightfully thought that I was suffering a major disaster. Um, I was wrecked. It was a major disaster, Justin. We tied. That is a major disaster. We, we now don't have a definitive sense of which one of us is <laughs> better. in better shape anymore, which is brutal. But at least we have four more weeks. Now, let's, let's take a look at maybe some more, I don't know, athletically predisposed right, human beings right, who might right. have been doing like this workout. People that you might have heard of before, not... Uh, me <laughs> <laughs> so i think i think a couple people to point out uh you know you and i we we talk regularly about who's interesting and exciting and, and uh, people to keep our eyes on on the women's side we have talked about this particular athlete maybe more than any other athlete in the past couple months and that is danny spiegel rightfully so apparently you and i we watched danny do 19.1 as the first workout at strength and depth and then something crazy happened. So she went and did 19.1 on Saturday, and then she did three more workouts that day on Saturday in London. And then she woke up on Sunday, and she did three more workouts, where she finished the competition third place overall, behind Jamie Green in second and Sarah Sigmund's daughter in first. And then that afternoon, she's like, let's go do it again. And repeated 19.1 and improved her score by 14 reps. She currently sits 13th worldwide. So here is an athlete that has basically crammed in eight workouts in two days, which includes a repeat of a very taxing uh, uh, lower body exercise uh, uh, workout. So she's got three top five finishes at three sanctioned events against seriously competitive games athletes. And here she is sitting 13th in the world after week one. I think everybody's got to be paying attention to this athlete because I think she's going to the CrossFit Games. I think she's going to do some really crazy stuff. Uh, we we saw her at Wadapalooza do probably demonstrate in one of the most challenging workouts of that competition. She differentiated herself from elite games athletes. Elite Tia Tia Claire Toomey is in this lane right next to her, and she demolished the event demolished it and differentiated herself in a way that no rookie athlete that we have seen to date demonstrate. And that is so impressive to see. On the men's side, there are two athletes that we want to take a look at. And one of them is someone you probably are not super familiar with. And one of them is someone who you're probably a fan of. And we'll start with the one you may not be familiar with. And that is Christoph Horvath. Now, if that last name sounds familiar, it's because he is the nearest genetic, you know, uh, brother match to <laughs> Laura Horvath. Well, way to make that a lot more complicated. <laughs> Just make it as weird and, and as complicated as possible. He's Laura Horvath's brother, and clearly, fitness runs in those in those siblings because 
Uh, Christoph Horvath, he's been kind of you know sneaking his way onto the leaderboards at m- many events in terms of the online qualifiers and the open and stuff. And now we're starting to see him show up at sanctionals. Uh, we saw him compete this past weekend at Strength and Depth. We'll get to that later. But 19.1 was a really impressive performance from him, Justin. Yeah, 13th worldwide. Obviously extremely impressive. But he did that the same weekend, remember, that he was competing at Strength and Depth where he placed 8th. And that, again, shows his ability to, to work uh, um, in extreme fatigue um, away from home and the comfort of his own gym and to be able to post a top-tier t- top score, a top-20 score worldwide. Extremely impressive. Can- cannot be um, overstated how challenging that is for an elite athlete to do this completely outside of their environment and do that while fatigued. So I think it just bears recognition that that's an athlete that we're going to be paying a little bit more attention to throughout the season. The other athlete that we wanted to highlight on the men's side is Noah Olson. Now, Noah Olson has essentially placed in the top 20 four out of the past five years of the Open. Last year, he was 24th or 25th, which, you know, not that far out, which would it would probably earn him an invite based off of the national champions and stuff if, if we had applied that to last year's Open. But this year, this the Open has started in a, a really terrible form for him. I, I think I spoke with him uh, a lot over the, the weekend. If you guys are reading Morning Chalk Up, uh, there's kind of these highlight articles that I'm writing on both Noah Olson as well as Pat Vellner. And Noah, I spoke with him regularly over the course of the weekend, and we kind of touched base around his first attempts and his his, his last attempt and sort of what his mindset was. And I have a lot of respect and 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 really I'm a fan. I love I love what Noah does of his approach. And he was talking about the idea of excitement for an opportunity to improve and you know how he's he's glad that these two movements are out of the way now because they're essentially his worst movements that could come up in the open but as the field is getting deeper and as workouts are getting not necessarily simpler but the striation at the top of the field isn't as aggressive as it used to be an athlete like Noah Olson suddenly is sitting 600, 700 spots, 800 spots. Well, it's a different open. There are different numbers of athletes competing. We don't know how many of the top athletes from previous years who are regionals athletes decided to also throw their scores into the mix and whether or not they'll continue to do that week over week. We don't know those things. So this is not the same competitive year. But what we do know is that nobody who's placed that low in the first workout, in, in any single workout throughout five or six scored events has ever come back to to be in the top 25. That said, last year, Noah did have a terrible score in the one rep max clean in 18.2a, which was over a thousandth. I don't think it was around 1100th place. And he still placed, I don't know, mid twenties, 24th, 25th. So it doesn't mean that it's impossible. It just means that he might have his work cut out for him this year. Yeah, it just means he's going to have to work really hard. I mean, there's an athlete in the Open has basically one one poor workout performance that they can log. And the poorer the performance, the better the other ones have to be. And that's that's just the way it works. And so, you know, when we get to the second workout and the second week, if it's one or two scored events, we're going to have a much better picture. For an athlete that's currently sitting in Noah's position, it's going to be a lot more advantageous if there are six scored events this year because it's another opportunity for him to make up ground. If there's only five scored opportunities, then then there's really only four left, and he's going to have to kill it every single one. I, for one, have a lot of confidence in Noah. 
uh, especially how the open workouts have generally gone for him. But knowing that if there is a sixth event this year, it's probably going to be a heavy event, like a one rep max, something or another. That is the exact type of event that doesn't go his way. And uh, usually that's the event that his score tanks on. If if he tanks on a workout that is conditioning-based, that isn't going to bode well for a worldwide uh, leaderboard stand. But that is neither here nor there. We are essentially in the first third of the season at this point. There are still 10 more sanctioned events to participate in and compete in. I'm sure Noah is going to be able to get his feet out there in case the Open doesn't go his way. But we did just have Strength and Depth, which is our fifth sanctioned event of the year. And we now have yet another invited male, invited female, and invited team to the 2019 CrossFit Games. And you know what? I know how to pronounce his name, Justin, but I'm going to throw this one to you because I want to see you pronounce his name. Here is the winner of Strength and Depth UK. Go for it, Justin. Uh, Bronislav Olenkovic. How'd I do? That's really good. That was it. Mic drop, dude. That's good, man. Nicely done. Okay. Nicely done. All right, Don's your boy. Uh, we should we should just start the show right there. Like twenty five times this weekend, but like, you know, when you read it, it's just not as easy. It, it, yeah, when you <laughs> when you see it on paper, it's not yeah, quite like, as simple as sound it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we passed the <laughs> test. Bronislav Olinkovich, uh, right place, at the right time. I think that's. I think that's. I mean, I watched the entire weekend. I don't want to say the guy didn't come out of nowhere, but he was kind of oscillating between right up there and he wasn't a known name. I mean, the guy was, I think, fourth, fifth or sixth in Poland last year, and he was a sixth sixth or seventh at regionals last year. But, you know, he wasn't exactly this household name. He's never been to the games before. So, um, you know, right place, right time. And he delivered nail-biting performance at the very end. I mean, it really came down to a... It was one of those classic regionals cases where a lot of crazy things have to happen for him to bump up, and a lot of them did, including him taking one of the top times um, in order to do that. And so um, people finished low, he finished high, and he's the first rookie athlete that's going to be going to the CrossFit Games this year. I was really impressed by his performance for a few reasons. And I think... Uh, this harkens a little bit to one of the things that makes sanction events interesting is that you have such a, a, a weird mix of athletes coming together from so many different places around the world that y- you almost don't know what you can rely on. Now, he wasn't dominant across the entire weekend. In fact, and he not only had to do really well on that final event, he was he was in fourth going into the final event at Strength and Depth. He had to place in the top three, and Drew Wayman had to place outside of the top eight or nine. And Drew Wayman got 10th, and that's exactly what ended up happening. That that was the points difference that got Bronislav Olenkovic into his his like, you know, pole position to win the thing. And what what's really fascinating to me about this is he he was exceptionally good at a handful of things and not that great at everything else. I mean, he had middle of the road performances uh 10 to the low teens on everything else. Yeah. yeah. He was pretty up and down. He was like high, low, high, low, high, low. And he was admitting that in one of his interviews with um, with one of the sideline reporters this weekend. He was like, I got to get better at running. <laughs> <laughs> so Branislav and I have something in common. Absolutely. You know, what was interesting to me about his, his backstory is he was sixth 
at last year's Europe Regional, which means that had HQ actually filled out the spot that Andre Ganin had when he was disqualified, Bronislav would have gone to the games at you know 2018. He would have gone to the games last year. So he's right on the cusp. He's been there before. He's right on the cusp, and he really showed it this weekend. On the other side, Sarah Sigmund's daughter. Here's an athlete that's really turned the corner from suffering from two straight injuries, and she's been competing in a lot of sanctional events. She was third in Dubai, third in Wadapalooza, and then first place here. And she looked dangerous. She had that eye, that Sarah Sigmund's daughter, I'm gonna crush this kind of eye. Every time the camera panned to her at the beginning of a heat, this girl was laser focused. Every shot of her behind the scenes, she had headphones on and that girl was not smiling. She was focused. It was like Rocky, you know, um, Rocky Four, where he is just dialed in. And um, are you saying that Sarah Sigmundsdottir has been living in an icy cabin in Siberia training? She well, she lives she lives in Iceland, so I guess it's not that crazy to think. However, she's she's nailing it. I mean, I'm so impressed with her lifting too. The fact that she tied her former personal best lift in the snatch is is great i mean she's on a big high right now and then she she also placed sixth in 19.1 worldwide again same weekend as competing and winning uh uh strength and depth this is this is an athlete who looks really healthy right now and i think she is getting her mojo back i think she's gotten her confidence back and and a confident strong healthy sarah sigma's daughter is going to be really fun to watch and I'm very excited for that. And I think seeing, uh, you know, specifically, I, I talked about this a little bit during the, the the video I made, sort of recapping strength and depth. And uh, you know, she had this moment in the the fifth event, which is the first event on day two, where she was so far ahead of the field that she was essentially playing her own game. And we've seen this happen in the past with a lot of different fan favorite athletes. Josh Bridges, for example, has this really famous photo of him at regionals years ago, where he's the only one lunging to the finish line and everyone is minutes behind him on this chipper workout. And that's the that's kind of the feeling that was evoked in me watching Sarah Sigmund's daughter kind of put on a clinic against a handful of athletes that truly are near the top of the spectrum when it comes to, to competitive. Absolutely. Athletes. Now, the, the teams, I thought, uh, you know, Central Beasts, we saw them they took fifth in Dubai and came back and won Strength and Depth UK. It's a team that is uh, made up of individuals that train together as on a regular basis, as far as I understand it. In fact, one of... Yeah, it's a brute strength team. There you go. It's a brute strength team. So they've got good coaching. They've got good programming. And uh, one of the members is uh, an individual games uh, uh, veteran herself, Nicole Holcomb, and one of the members is the TMX Tough Mudder X World Champion. That's that's Emma Chapman. So there's clearly some strength, and a lot of times when we talk about team competitors, we look at the strength of the females uh, in terms of like you know, uh, in a baseball sense, you'd call it a war, the wins above replacement, right? You look at how good your your female CrossFitters are on the team compared to other female CrossFitters, and it seems like. They're pretty good, I think. Yeah, I didn't, honestly, I did not watch any team events, and here's the reason why. 
I didn't get a lot of sleep as I was watching this live. I was manning the live blog on morningchalkup.com. Um, I was orchestrating a lot of content. So I basically slept like in 30 to 45 minute increments Friday night and Saturday night. So I was doing the most watching that I could possibly do, and that did not include the team event. <laughs> Sorry. So I don't really know what to say about them other than the fact that they cleaned up. Yeah, it was a dominant performance. It was absolutely a dominant performance. They won every event on the first day. They they crushed the the two of the three events on day two. And I think we're going to see a little bit more of that happening, though. I think that it's now, since there's 15 events, and, and most of the top, top teams are just not going to go to every single competition that you're going to start seeing more of that. The teams differentiate themselves in, in ways where the point spread is a lot deeper. I mean, I mean, the top two, at, top two at Fittis in Cape Town were way above everybody else. I mean, they were basically competing for first. So let's go ahead and very quickly, let's do just a, an overall report card on Strength and Depth UK. You got to experience a, a big part of the live stream live, which is really impressive considering you're so far behind in terms of the time zone. One, one in the morning is when my day started. So, you know, you, you give me your 60 seconds or less overall report card on how Strength and Depth UK did. A slash B minus. And here's the reason for that. There's two separate Wait, scores. what? A slash B minus? I know. That doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> hold on. There's two separate scores. Two separate scores. One is an A. The other one is a B minus. They get an A for programming and they get an A for live stream fan experience. Everything that I saw about that event was excellent. They had good media, solid media coverage with a live stream that never went down. They archived the darn thing in less than 24 hours sent to me so that we could get that out on our pages. Excellent job there. And, and um, the programming was very good. It felt very regionals-esque. They had a truncated schedule they had to work with. Incorporating 19.1 was very smart. All of those, um, all of those tests were really well-defined tests and they did a good job incorporating a ton of different apparatuses there. And I like the fact that they threw back the final workout to a similar regionals workout from two years ago, which involved rope climbs and thrusters. I thought that was a really excellent job on the programming. The B minus is for the payouts. They put together two events in six months. If you don't recall, Strength and Depth just held an event a couple of months ago at the end of 2018, and then they they put one together now. So they're working in extremely tight timeframes and tighter budgets. So this is not a knock on them, but what we do want to see is we want to see higher prize purses for athletes that are going there to compete, at least so that they can not only make some money, but they can but they can cover their costs and expenses of, of the competition. I would like to see that get higher. I'm sure that they did everything they could to make it as high as possible, but in the long run, we wanna see that number increase. I'm gonna give them a B plus. I think overall, Strength and Depth UK really showed what an event which didn't, I would say, didn't have a presence outside of that community can do when they're put on a global stage. I was very impressed by their live stream. I was very impressed by the quality of their uh, their ability to react to changes on the floor. For example, during one of the events on the second day, Elliot Simmons's uh, rower wasn't functioning and they had to make a call immediately on the floor as to how they're gonna proceed from that point on. And I thought they were able to come up with a fair, quick and reasonable solution 
to that problem without it becoming a fiasco. And I think that is really impressive. It shows how mature Ollie and his team are when they're coming to put together an event like this. I, I enjoyed the programming. I thought it was maybe a little bit, you know, too focused on that that top end power spectrum. Like we saw the really the main reason Bronislav won the event overall is because he was able to score like a solid 200 points by absolutely murking everybody on the power output stuff like that one or max snatch and the uh, the workout you were talking about last week, the assault bike into grace workout. And so I think maybe the programming could have used a slight tweak here and there, although I certainly do believe the fittest person walked out with the title there on both the men's and the women's side of things. But I do agree with you that the prize purse, it's one of these these. Uh, issues that's very difficult and challenging to address in in any real way uh, outside of seeing over time how these events can come together. And I think you pointed out a context that's really important is that Strength and Depth just put on an event six months ago. So they essentially had a choice once they got their sanctioning, do we wait a year and a half or do we wait a year or do we try and get this thing going immediately and, and see what we can do? And I think Given the the quickness of that turnaround, I was so impressed by what they were able to put together that a B plus to me is is really knocking it out of the park and, and it's only going to grow from here. Now, with that said, and we have very short period of time left here, Justin, 19.2 is right around the corner. What do you want to see show up? We produced a piece this morning that basically talked about um, likely possible predictions and we like to do that because it's you know, fun and interesting, and it's not super duper scientific, but it's close enough. Um, we usually focus on the repeats because that's the ones you can really nail down. And I would like to see a repeat of 13.2. 2013 has never had a workout repeated ever in the CrossFit Open's history. And uh, I think it's high time that we see one of those happen. So I'm gonna put my vote in for that. I have no idea what's gonna happen, but that'd be kind of cool to see that one. I also did really well on it too. So there's kind of that part. I'm gonna say uh, strict muscle ups and Turkish getups. That's what that's what 19.2 is gonna be. You guys are gonna be eating your shorts when I'm, when I'm right. Anyway, folks, as always, I am Arm and Hammer. That is Justin Lafranco with the Morning Chalk Up. This has been an episode of On the Minute. Thank you so much, everybody, for uh, for watching and good luck in 19.2. We'll see you guys next week. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs>